the year is 20XX. Biological warfare has ravaged the planet. Society is on its knees. Anarchy is taking hold. The government has placed all civilians under lockdown for their own safety. Contact is banned. Fun is banned. Affection is banned. Outside, packs of stray dogs and delinquent youths roam the streets. Food is scarce. The supermarkets, once resplendent with their aisles of plenty, now lie pillaged and barren. What little remains on their ransacked shelves are things not even fit for a dog to consume. Scattered packets of whole wheat pasta. Gluten-free basmati rice. Lonely jars of pickled eggs. And in the alcohol section lie bottles upon bottles upon bottles of Conor McGregor's proper Tweilvoirus whiskey. <laughs> in this dark new world, toilet paper has supplanted the dollar and the pound as the de facto form of currency. I'll give you two rolls of bounty for that mailing. You might hear someone say, "Throw in an Andrex, and you got yourself a deal." <coughs> the, the owner of the owner of the mailing might say that in, in response. The lucky few who want for nothing hoard toilet paper and use it bountifully, hosting decadent toilet paper parties in their lavish purchases of steel and stone. The many like you and me on the breadline, struggling to keep our heads above water, cannot afford to be so fancy free in times such as these. Carefully, we use both sides of our Tesco's own brand toilet paper. Hard, scratchy, brittle. And further still, down society's pecking order. The have-nots, the outcasts, the pariahs amongst us, who can only dream of a rural to call their own are reduced to wiping their arses with nothing but empty packets of salt and vinegar crisps. And perhaps worst of all are the midges. Immune to the disease that threatens the supremacy of mankind, the midges have thrived, nay, evolved even. Reports abound of gangs of giant midges, each one the size of a bin lorry, roaming the hills killing and eating those brave enough to stand in their way and enslaving all others. It's a rather dark picture. It might make you think, might put you in mind of uh, you know, an, an apocalyptic world, the stuff of far-flung fantasy, the stuff of science fiction, even. 
Mm. But you might be thinking, wait, wait a moment, this is all very well and good for, for Mad Max or, or, or something like that, but what's this got to do with um, with real life, with MMA? Well, let me ask you this, Colin. Let me ask you this, Robert. If I were, in fact, not describing a far-flung fantasy world, <gasps> instead I am describing the very world we live in. <gasps> oh my God. That's right. <laughs> Ah, that's right. ah, you see now. Ah, it makes sense now, doesn't it? You see. I thought I thought this was Bethesda's new uh, pitch for Fallout um, seventy-seven. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah. You may have thought because it sounds so uh, it sounds so crazy that all these things are really happening in the world, but um, it's it's not science fiction. It's um, it's it's real life. It's real life. And that little bait and switch there, that was uh, something I, I borrowed from. Um, uh, the the, the novelisation of, of Terminator Genesis. I don't know if either of you have read, read that. There's a novelisation. That's oh, very good. That's very good. Anyway, um, yeah, time, times are tough. Uh, things are... It feels like living in a, a crazy movie. Um, how have you boys been holding up? Am I going first here? Yeah, well, how have I been holding up? I'm pretty good. I've got a paid leave off work, um, which is great. Uh, very fortunate to have that. Um, I've been trying to limit the amount of news I consume just purely because if I spend an hour or two looking at all the headlines, um, I just feel my anxiety spiking up. It's uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword living in the information age because you have um, all this access to knowledge that you actually is quite essential but then you also hear a lot more information than you, than you would that your <laughs> that your brain in its current state can probably handle um you know i mean i don't think humans are really equipped to mentally to deal with all this kind of constant barrage of um news and kind of fear without like consequences you know but um no i've been holed up in the house it's not been bad i've been playing doom eternal i've been playing cod warzone both fantastic. Uh, even bought L.A. Noir remastered to play with the wife. I've been cracking some cases. Um, that game's amazing. Uh, I forgot like what a faithful recreation of 1940s Los Angeles it is. Right down to every single woman in the game being looked down on by your protagonist, Skull Phelps. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, no, I've, it's uh, it's crazy times, man. But I've just been just been holed up and trying to take it easy um, stay in touch with my work making sure that nothing's changing in that regard um, and trying to fill the void the MMA shaped hole in my heart um, that's came around since we've not had any events and most of the upcoming events have been postponed mm -hmm. yeah. or cancelled altogether yeah it's, it's not been easy uh, how have you found things Colin? Um. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a weird time we're living in, boys. Very very strange. Um. Yeah, I think I think uh, it's it's funny because I've been before we talk, were talking. It was interesting to get Robert's perspective because us being from the UK, um, I've had a I think a, a phased uh, kind of run into this thing similar to the US from what I've seen, um, but other countries obviously like. 
um, Italy are two weeks ahead of where we're probably going to be two weeks from now. And if you even look back to a week before where we are now, I remember I was so for I'm I'm still working, but mostly from home. Um, and during one of my reports this week, I was looking back at our risk report for what I did last week, and I didn't even mention um, any of this shit because I was kind of still in a well, it's not going to be that big of an issue here. Um, and then all of a sudden, this last week has been insane. Uh, and it's not something I think anyone is really equipped to deal with. So yeah, a lot of, lot of social isolation. Um, and and me being a very anti-social person. Fucking loving it, boys. Great times ahead. Uh, no, it's, 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 it's good. It's good. Um, but very, very weird. And the, the one thing that's hitting me is... Um, I was in a decent routine with going to the gym. This is something I've been striving for, you know, New Year's resolution and all that crap. Um, and I went to a fault up until about Tuesday last week. The gyms were p- doing their absolute best to stay open still. Um, <laughs> so that you had every treadmill had each treadmill either side of it with a big don't use notice. So they were trying to create spacing in the gym. Um, and I think they kind of circumvented to the 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 pressure of, of shutting down and to be fair now that um <laughs> a week further in perspective on the issue it's it's probably for the best but uh, yeah they're, they're they're shut as well so feeling a little bit um stuck in um mm. and i not got that kind of cathartic exercise release at the moment um, so, uh, yeah. i saw this coming colin which is uh, why i've i'd never bothered starting uh, going to the gym. I knew so this would you, happen. You were, you, were, you were a step ahead of me, mm-hmm. mate. Step ahead. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we see it from our, our, our West, Western perspective. Of, it's happening in China. It's not going to come to the Western world. It's not going to come to, to Europe or America. It's not going to come into our country. or not going to come to our town. It's not going to culminate no. in Tony and Khabib being cancelled. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to come to that. But um, I'm glad you are holding up uh, fairly well. Uh, I too have been okay. Uh, just been trying to look after myself, going back through my Steam library of all the games I've bought in Steam sales and never played, <laughs> and, and trying to try, trying to go through them. Some good ones. Have you managed? To, have you managed to actually achieve to play any of the games that you bought and never played? Uh, I, I, I've, I've I've been playing Undertale. Okay. Um, I mean, I think you played that before, had you not? Uh, I played the first ten minutes or so okay, of Undertale okay. and then uh, never played it again. Uh, but there's, there's, you know, there's a few gems there, you know, kicking about. But um, yeah, as you say, strange times. Even last time we were on the podcast, there was no mention of this. There was no uh, notion that this would affect anything it wasn't at all. It wasn't. It was what were we talking a couple of weeks back now that we did our last one. Yeah, I think that's kind of what people are kind of forgetting is that um, you get obviously there's a lot of people thinking. The, the absolute extreme worst that this is the end of the world which it isn't but they're constantly thinking like they're, they're not taking notice of the fact that it's only been two weeks you know like this is just the beginning of things and you know it's again it's the this it's the constant stream of information that you get that from your phone or your computer or the telly that really makes you think it's longer because you're just mm-hmm. getting so much more exposure than like someone would a hundred years ago that might have listened but to do you not, the do radio you not think it 
do you just not find it a bit crazy? Like, I don't know, my perspective on this whole thing um, has shifted so much in a week. And it's not like, like, people were taking it very seriously across Europe when we recorded our last podcast. And I was, like, treating it very nonchalantly up until Tuesday of this week. It's like, nothing, I don't know, like, although you're saying all that information's out there, I don't know, are we just blissfully ignorant or wanting to be blissfully ignorant to assume that it's just not going to be a big issue here despite it was a big issue everywhere else? Because that's how um, I felt. I don't know, I, I just didn't, maybe I'm just speaking as my own perspective and no one else felt that way, but I was like, I was still going to the gym, I was not socially distancing, I was kind of dicking about and going, well, it's not going to interfere with my life if I'm not going to let it, which is selfish now retrospectively looking back only five days ago. <laughs> Which is weird. For me, um, you know, it was kind of similar for me. Of course, heard about it happening in China. And your your brain, I don't think, I could be wrong with this, but I don't really think, by the way, welcome to CoronaCast. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to MMA in a minute. Get used to CoronaCast as well, because <laughs> uh, we're in it for the long haul. Um, it might be, yeah. Um, no, for me, it was more, it wasn't until earlier last week as well that um, I really kind of, I guess still technically this week, but it wasn't until the start of this week, uh, Tuesday or so, like yourself, that I didn't really take any action. Um, started talking to my work about it and getting more information and working out what I wanted to do. Um, so yeah, but honestly, like, I don't think, honestly, I don't think sometimes our brains are really equipped to deal with the news the way we ought to i think i heard about it happening in china and i thought oh it's in china it's fine you know it's just like sars it's just gonna happen over there and you could beat yourself up about that kind of way of looking at life and i'm not really defending it as weird as that sounds but it's just that your brain can only take your mind can only comprehend so much um you can only keep so many people in your sphere of influence you know what i mean like you can only think about maybe a hundred people in your life at one time you know like it's not like you can personally relate to people thousands of miles away unless you personally know them which is why you get so many people who you know very you know good for them they make so much effort to raise awareness for things not not even this just like other things like poverty homelessness drug abuse and that's why most people don't listen because it doesn't happen to them you know and yeah. it's not until your streets being quarantined it's not until your supermarkets are a loo roll that you start thinking all right this is happening to me this is something i should care about i think that's just human nature uh whether that's good or bad i don't know Um, we've had we've had other things as well like we've had other viruses um that have, have existed in our lifetime that have you know it's been spread around quite a lot but you know i look back to like you know swine flu and stuff like that and it was and maybe my small brain from being what what would we be at that point probably what like 14 maybe Give or take um, age. yeah 15 or so 15 16, yeah and it's, it's it's just never felt and never was a big deal it, it never got anywhere close to this whereas this is obviously a completely different beast but i think the assumption for me anyway was it's just another one of them um yeah up to it's, a point that yeah you're right Robert that all of a sudden like I'm going to a supermarket and I'm seeing like I was I was actually in Sainsbury's this evening and uh, yeah it's like everything's empty and <laughs> there's nothing there and I'm like I'm just I'm just here to get myself a loaf of bread and I can't get a loaf of bread and this is massively inconvenient 
That's maybe the most British way of describing that situation ever. It was just massively inconvenient. For our, for our listeners, though, it's worth pointing out that Colin's diet is like 95% bread, so it's actually a really big deal This is a big issue for me, boys. This is, this is me. The people who have very limited diets, like myself, are going to die during this, for sure, but not because of the, the, the disease itself, because we will not be able to eat. <laughs> Can't bring yourself. Or it'll expand uh, my diet. I might find myself eating. I don't know what do normal people eat rocks or some shit like that. Quail rocks, is that a thing? stones. You know, you'll be <laughs> maybe you'll maybe you'll catch yourself a duck at the at the heritage lock. <laughs> I hear there's still a couple going. They've not all been taken yet. <laughs> I've, um, yeah, it's kind of funny also seeing the knock on not knock on effect, but seeing people catch up to the kind of generally accepted notion about the virus so when i heard about it and i was i had to start kind of socially isolating just because i have family members that could be compromised um by the virus so quite quite badly um so i kind of that's when i talked to my work but I also talked to my gym my jiu-jitsu gym and i was like hey i need to spend my membership because you know you guys aren't closing and i'm not going to be here it was uh, it was annoying because uh a new promotions were coming up and I was like, oh man, maybe it's time to get my blue belt. I'm going to start going extra extra classes. And I was doing that. And then this happened. So, But you know what? It's funny because these things really put life in perspective. You realize that all well, these things are good endeavors. It's just really, you know, it's just a bit, it's just a belt. You'll get it eventually, you know. And there's, there's precautions you can take with a lot of activities, a lot of uh, social gatherings, but I don't think I don't think jujitsu is really one of them. Like if somebody <laughs> has it that you're rolling with, there's you you've got it as well. Um, so it's, I think you're yeah. the choice. But they they fit, but then after uh, maybe a few days after I told them I wanted to suspend my membership, they then closed. Thought, right, you guys are catching up. Yeah. Like Colin saying, gyms are trying to say, oh, do be two treadmills apart. I mean, do you understand? How far your breath goes? I don't think you yeah. do. Maybe try yeah. ten treadmills. At the risk of um, going in a bit of a, 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 a down note, um, I, I've been at a funeral unfortunately during the, the 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 outbreak, if you like, and it was a similar thing where you're sitting in the the church hall um, and then the wake, and you're you all have to sit separately, you know. So a space mm. between everybody, even close family members. No hugging, no kiss, uh, no shaking oh hands, nothing like that. So it's um, it's a very very peculiar thing. Yeah. Sorry to hear that, man. Um, yeah, it was similar for me. I, my a member of my family actually had uh, an unrelated um, illness, quite serious, and they had to go to the hospital, and we could not visit them because mm. the hospital was only allowing um, one person to visit, and that was only in um, if someone was having a baby or if someone was actually going to, you know, if they were at death's door kind of thing, you're allowed to go see them, that was it. Yeah. So people with general hospital-level things that can get fixed but are quite serious, no, no chance. I had to wait outside the hospital. So, um, But you know what? When you write music, you go to the minor fall before the major lift. So we may be looking down now, fellas, but I'm sure good things are on the horizon. That's probably Hallelujah. the cheesiest thing I've ever said. But you said a down <laughs> note, and I thought music for some reason. And, um, you know, it's 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 worth worth mentioning. It's not um, all all doom and gloom. I did mention in earlier uh, the, the start of the show that uh, you know Conor McGregor's whiskey is um, gathering dust in the supermarkets, uh, but it's actually. Uh, it's not quite true. 
because it actually is a very good and very cheap hand sanitizer if you can't get the <laughs> if you can't get the real stuff go for that it really what really does wonders really does wonders um as far as the gangs of giant midges goes as well just to clear up any any confusion there uh, that's just a prediction we make this show on sundays uh, we put it out a bit later in the week i think by that time the midges will have mutated but um that's again just a prediction i'm not i'm not trying to scaremonger at all you know i'm just um expecting things to go that way I think by midweek they'll have mutated to actually be able to eat toilet paper to, uh, as en- for energy, you know. So that's um, a double well, panic. Yeah, yeah, that's. Um, that, I mean, but, that God for God, God forbid, uh, that could possibly happen. Colin is showing us something. <laughs> trying to oh, work no, out what it I'm, is. I, it's, it's just a visual boys that I've got on in my room to to set the mood for the <laughs> okay. podcast. So. <laughs> It's very confused. I just thought I'd turn it around so you could see it. For our listeners at, at home, Colin has um, shown us a, a, a never-ending video of a spaceman <laughs> flying through a city, and we, me and Robert were, were trying to speak while grasping the significance of this video, but we, we couldn't quite get it. You know, explain this. Just a, there is none. There is none. Is this Daft Punk's new video? That's no, what it looks I don't like think to me. So. It's, oh, got a couple, it's, it's changed it, a bit. It's gone interstellar. He's now walking toward a black hole. Um, but before before our podcast uh, walks towards a black hole um, all this corona talk I'm I'm glad that you are holding up well boys and I'm I'm sorry for those who are listening who are maybe a bit exhausted by information overload about the the whole coronavirus but unfortunately we are an MMA podcast and Mm. our MMA uh, has been gravely affected by the, the events that are unfolding uh, and that's quite a lot to, to go through there. So I, I think you touched on it earlier, Bob, but we've had, is it three events we've had cancelled? Man, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I knew exactly what events. I knew that the, um, I know that three have been postponed. And uh, I mean, uh, like the people at my work were saying, it's a very fluid situation. We just have to take news as it comes. And that definitely applied to MMA um, in the MMA landscape. Uh, first the, the events were relocated and then they were um, maybe being postponed slightly and then they're being postponed somewhat indefinitely <laughs> and this whole time I know Dana White has been sitting going oh Tony and Khabib still gonna happen it's still yeah. gonna happen it's it's kind of like a frightened mother telling her children that everything's gonna be okay while the walls cave in you know it's quite a dark timeline we're in with for MMA right now uh, That if this Tony Khabib fight I mean, I think you had some notes on that that Dana even tried to get it on Indian Indian reservations. To so I, I don't know how war. true any of this is. There's been a, a bunch of um, a bunch of news about what the UFC has tried to do to get these events to happen, uh, and some of them some of them sound very reasonable. So the UFC they've got their own uh, I think it's called the Apex Center. It's their, their own we event you know we venue. Uh, they use it for reality TV shows like The Ultimate Fighter and that sort of thing. Uh, and mm. I think they were planning to move all of their events to this this facility uh, behind closed doors. But mm. um, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, uh, in light of the, the virus, have um, cancelled all that. That's not happening. And there's been some rumours about, uh, yeah, in Indian reservations, as crazy as that sounds. Apparently, uh, they, ha- they don't really have a commission. You can kind of do what you want on... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you know any about that bit, Bob, other than the land of the free, but that seems a. Uh, it seems I like nearly, a thing. 
I nearly said Indian burial grounds um, just because I was watching <laughs> Scooby Doo earlier, <laughs> but that's not that's not the case. No, um, Indian reservations tend to be able to, or should I say, Native American reservations tend to be able to make their own rules about things. They don't have to observe certain federal law um, purely because it's the land they were given for their people being decimated. You know, um, hence why there's casinos on them because um, gambling is legal in most states, but on the Indian reservations, it's fair game you know um yeah the apex center was um the last i think hope of all the mma fans that we could host all the events there behind closed doors but and i know we're going to talk probably in a minute about um ufc brasilia that was in an arena behind closed doors that was a really surreal card to watch but um yeah it's it's kind of like i think dana's I don't, I don't know what the latest is on him. I think he's maybe going to concede though that it is in fact a sinking ship and that this will be the sixth time, I believe, Tony and Khabib's been cancelled. Yeah, I mean, it really is like the, the greatest white whale in, in combat sports history. Uh, that, that would be insane if that got cancelled again, but it's looking increasingly like it probably will be the case. I think, yeah, seem, I think we're pretty much on that road now, boys. I don't see how that it doesn't get cancelled at this point if you just look at the general landscape of everything. <laughs> And uh, Dana White's track record, when he makes a promise and says, trust me, I absolutely <laughs> guarantee this will happen, you kind of just give up all hope and like, no, that's, that kind of seals the deal. There's no way um, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Well, I'm sure it will happen, but it might be a long time um, before, it, before it does. This would, some, some, of the, some of the, sorry, just to cut in, some of the favourite things I've seen this week, though, just um, scrolling the memes as I do. RMMA and sometimes RUFC RUFC tends to be where you go for memes on Reddit just because I think RMMA typically has a no, a no meme rule but um, I was just looking at places people were suggesting Tony and Khabib could take place obviously the moon was a prime choice I think Dana even like reshared that on his Instagram story um, that's my too favorite much of an advantage though, for Tony uh, that's Tony's game all the way <laughs> number one pound for pound moon fighter he's got that He's got, he's got those zero G angles, as some would say. Um, no, my favourite one was actually from Jack Slack. Um, I believe it was, I think it was his 200th episode he was talking about UFC Brazilia. He was talking about all this kind of stuff too. And he said that um, they should have it on um, some giant ship. Um, if you remember, if you cast your minds back to your childhood when Nike had that ad for football, um, it was all these footballers in a cage on the shipping container in the middle of the sea. I and, remember that. And it was Jay Alex and yeah. Elvis Presley. Little less conversation. Yep. That he was a fucking amazing like that. advert. I love that advert. Fantastic. Um, two men, one boat, one man leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Some men, someone also said um, since Africa hadn't banned anything yet, they could just do it literally in a giant pit in Africa. Uh, I saw some people saying how that would pan out. You could have um, Bruce Buffer repelling from a helicopter to do the announcements. You could have Daniel Cormier in a Popeye's chicken blimp doing the commentating. Um, you know, the the memes were on point. As uh, can I, like I can say. I just say like that's the one thing that you have to you have to appreciate of the human race during this whole process. I have not laughed at memes and things on the internet this much in a long time on a, on a broad <laughs> scale. People have come out in droves to show that we're actually pretty funny when everything's going tits up around us. 
yeah, it's, it used to be a, the dry humour thing used to be something that I think Brits would pr- pride themselves on, but it's kind of become very apparent the whole world shares that kind of sentiment <laughs> in, in hard times that you just have to laugh at it because otherwise you'll cry. Yeah. Um, but no, um, yeah, it's a. I think every kind. It was really interesting as much shit as we talked about the other fake, shall we say, don't sweat the technique podcast. Um, I'm trying to keep my train of thought, but Collins, uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> I don't, what did you type in to find that visualization? I don't know, mate. I just needed something in the TV while we were talking to give me something in the background. And I, I feel like all I'm doing is distracting you now. <laughs> sorry. It was just a man falling uh, in a, what looked like a gimp suit infinitely through the last scene in Interstellar. That's probably how Dana Whitefield's trying to save these cards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I know every podcast, I'm sure they don't sweat the technique podcast. The other one will probably have their own things. If they're still going, I doubt it. But any other podcast. Yeah, and, and notice that those, those quite frankly, pussyholes uh, never did respond to our offer of a, a rap battle beef. Uh, so the ball, the ball's in their court. Uh, they've, they've kept silent in the issue, um, just tucked their tail between their legs. Ergo, until further notice, we are the true Don't Sweat the Technique podcast. And that's just the rules of the rules of hip hop, the rules of the street. And that's that's how they abide. And those are the only two rules that matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can't uh, we can't fight them, unfortunately. That wouldn't be um in this current climate that's contagion is, you know, too much of a threat. But the the the, the rap battle offer is still absolutely there, so you know, don't other fake don't sweat the technique boys, um whenever, whatever. Get it. I'll anyway, be ready. Continue, continue. Well, I was just going to say, now is a great time as well to look out for your friends who might be lonely or suffer from, you might have issues of mental illness. Check in on them while they isolate, you know, give them a call because our very own Colin seems to be losing his mind. I think <laughs> he's going stir crazy. He's, he's going stir crazy. Colin, can I, just say, I this... can also just say that I, uh, this is lovely, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm very much. Uh, enjoying uh, skyping with you both, so I feel like it's some. Oh, I've actually seen quite a lot of people skyping and video calling people and friends and family over the last week or so that would never have done it in the past. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd encourage anyone to do it because it's it's yeah, it's a good way to touch base. I'm enjoying it, and uh, yeah, you're you're you wouldn't realise it, boys, but you're protecting my sanity right now. I think I'm I'm losing it a bit, and you're bringing well, we me can, back we to. We can her. tell, Colin. We can tell. We're not even going to upload this episode. This is just for your benefit, uh, to try and try and help you stay sane. I mean, I we can we can't hold it against you, man. NBA got cancelled, and then Overwatch League got cancelled. Yeah, and I, I know it's it's um, it's tough times for me. It's tough times. Overwatch, more like Colin Watch, <laughs> because I'm worried about you. Um, well, there's there's actually some good news on that at the moment. They're actually going to be playing cards again as of next week. So Overwatch League will be coming back as much as no one cares apart from me about this. Uh, but maybe now's the time. This is the time to get in, boys. While everything else is gone, Overwatch will prevail. Um, but it will be it's an interesting one. I think they're planning on doing it um, via LAN, but in an interesting setup so people will have in isolated booths to play so they'll be playing over mic on a local connection against another team in a local connection and streaming it 
but still isolated. I think it's fascinating. I think it's a it's a potential great opportunity for your esports at the moment to try and get some new audience. Unless it's on a shipping container in a cage with JLX and Elvis Presley playing in the background. I'm not interested in going. I'll I'll get on the blower, Bob. I'll see what I can do. Get on the dog and bone. No, I mean this can, what you know what I think's interesting though, I think that this whole thing will be quite um it'll put a lot of in perspective for a lot of people. Of course there's a lot of idiots out there still causing mayhem despite the virus, but um I think for a lot of normal people it'll put things in perspective and maybe even give people new interests. Like you're saying, maybe I will watch some Overwatch League, Colin. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that. I, I, th- I think it's a it's a great chance for you, Bob. I think if you've got any questions, you can you can always hit me up. I mean, while the <laughs> UFC is not running, we might as well just make this an Overwatch League podcast. Well, we'll watch the next uh, the next batch of games. We'll report back in a couple of weeks' time with our thoughts. Uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. I, think, I was uh, thinking. Our two, our two people that might listen to this will disappear very quickly if we did that. <laughs> I was thinking I could just stick on uh, EA UFC 3 and just simulate uh, matches that are coming up <laughs> and just talk about them like that's what happened. Uh, um, like Khabib knocking out Tony with a cartwheel kick or something stupid. But <laughs> Anyway, talking about fights, maybe we should, I don't know, maybe we should get back to that. What do you think? Uh, yeah, so we've got, we've got a, few, a few fights to, to, to recap, I suppose. We did talk about our predictions um, for UFC 248 uh, Israel Asanya versus Joe Romero and if, if you if you remember boys it may seem silly now but we were very invested in that fight, we were very excited about that fight uh, we said about Joe Romero there was n- and Arasanya there was no way that could possibly be a bad fight it was going to be a rip-roaring slap-dash uh, banger of a fight uh, and we said that Yo Romero is going to do, uh, there's a couple of things that will happen with him. He'll do nothing for a long time and then he'll do something amazing. And you know what? We were half right. He did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the problem was, the, the, the second part of that prediction that then he'll do something amazing, it, it never really materialised. Um, a bit of a, a, a strange one. What were your thoughts on that, Bob? Um... Yo Romero was doing a lot of boxing training in the lead up to this fight and I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt in thinking that this was meant to be a boxing match of 12 rounds and he thought he had 8 more rounds to go uh, before he turned it on but no um, man you know what though we kind of accurately predicted it we did say that Israel would kind of move around, faint a lot, use his jab pick him apart I did mean pick apart in the sense that he would dismantle him but of course, Israel, I think, um, in the first round, they caught a huge, I think it was left hand, hit him right in the eye. Um, and that kind of really made him second guess himself for the rest of the fight because he knew that UL was just a, it's like a snake coiled waiting to strike kind of thing. Um, there was a lot, I mean, before COVID kind of dominated how people felt about things. Um, before all this, there was a lot of dumping on Adesanya, a lot of dumping on UL. A lot of memes about you all just doing absolutely nothing. Um, you know what? It, it's, it can go into a bigger talk about what fighting's all about. You know, you'll always have the people who say this is meant to be a simulated death match. And you'll have people who say it's a sport. And then based on which camp you're in, if there's not another camp to follow, that that will determine how you look at these kinds of fights. So you might say, oh, Israel did a great job of keeping him away. He's the champ. 
So Yoel's got to bring it to him. That's another way to look at it. Maybe some people will think that and some people think, no, it's dead even. Um, it's both people's responsibility to come at each other. What I think personally, I don't think matters too much because I think you can make a valid case for all these angles. Yeah. Um, so, but my, my main take on it was Adesanya, I mean, he chopped away Yoel's leg for ages. Thanks to Colin for putting the highlights up to refresh your memories mm-hmm. here. Appreciate better um, than Spaceman falling through. Uh, young <laughs> Jamie, young Colin. Um, Israel, I mean, if you look what Israel's doing, he threw a lot of kicks. He threw, and not just leg kicks, he threw a lot of head kicks. He jabbed, he fainted. Yoel, honestly, Yoel, this is probably his last chance to get a title mm-hmm. um, at 185 for sure. And he just let it get away from him. You'd think that he, the man would have a sense of urgency. Um, I know that when you're in there from testimonials from other fighters throughout the years that. I say other fighters. From fighters, I'm not a fighter. From professional fighters, they'll say that you sometimes you lose track of time when you're in there. Sometimes you're just you don't even think about these things. You're just fighting on instinct. Um, maybe Yoel just did have a serious case of lapse of judgment in time. Maybe he did think he had more time in all seriousness. But the thing that annoyed me about this fight it wasn't even that it was a slow fight. It wasn't even that it had to come after maybe one of the best fights of all time with Jinjeshek and Zhang. Mm. Definitely the best women's fight of all time, which we'll get to. But yeah. Um, it was just that, that, that after the fight, as soon as you know the bell rang, Yoel just kind of stood in Israel's face and screamed like, "Oh yeah, I'm the man." <laughs> I thought, man, that would be acceptable if you had done something, but you did nothing for 25 rounds. You kind of exploded here and there. You missed half your shots. Um, you just expected Israel to come at you. I don't know what what the only good thing I think about this fight is that it tells us a lot about what these fighters will do in certain situations. We already kind of knew Israel um, needs someone to come at him when we watched that, uh, that Anderson Silva fight. Because if you watch that fight, you'll see Israel did hold back a lot. And I thought it was just really out of respect for Anderson at the time. I thought, oh, he loves Anderson Silva. He's just not wanting to hurt him too bad, which is kind of silly, really, looking back, if you think about it. Um, I think the issue was that Anderson wasn't leading enough for him to counter, so he was a bit kind of stumped. Um, and I think a similar thing happened here when Yoel literally came out in the first round and didn't do anything. <laughs> literally did nothing. Just stood there with his hands up. He really didn't know what to do. Um, and I really like Israel as a fighter. Um, and I think he he adapted well for the five rounds. But ultimately, I don't hold it against either man. Everyone's entitled to a few boring fights. The, it's Anyone who talks shit about these guys, it's their job to train all year round and then put it all on the line to get knocked out or get brain damaged in front of 50,000 people in an arena. So I can cut him some slack for being a little bit boring. When it comes to women's fights, though, with people like uh, Valentina Shevchenko having a boring fight, people get a bit more uppity. I've been uppity about it before just because you think, oh, well, you're not going to get as much damage. But when we talk about Zhenin and Jacek, I think we'll talk about how much damage is possible in a women's fight. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I think that's that's quite. A, I, I pretty much agree with your your, your take there, Bob. Definitely. Um, what What do you think about it, Colin? <clears throat> um, it's funny as I said, as you said, I've put the highlights on. So I've watched I've watched the full fight through, obviously. Um, and I I would agree with both your sentiments and the sense that it and everyone's that it, it was a particularly slow fight. But just going over the highlights now, refresh my memory. There's moments in this where I'm like, shit, this this almost became something special at certain points but if you put it in the bigger picture of everything else 
there was so much standing about. I definitely agree with uh, your point, Robert, about seeing the leg kicks as well. It definitely seems like Romero's leg was hurting. He kept kept slipping on it, um, and that might have been a factor in why he was struggling to, to put pressure on in the later rounds. Um, and it was doing his signature tongue-out screaming, um, trying to bring Adesanya towards him. Um I, I, I wouldn't say it was a boring fight, though, for me. I think there was maybe a little bit... We hyped it up. Um, everyone hyped it mm. up. It, it, it billed itself to be something special. Um, and it, not, not, nothing special happened in it. Um, which I guess could you could circle around to be calling it disappointing. But um, I, I think for the most part, I... I it's two very good fighters. Um with very distinctive styles and we didn't get to see the best of that but there was enough um, for me to enjoy it still I think yeah so it's maybe a little bit harsh to be calling it one of the most I've seen some people call it one of the um, least uh, eventful fights in UFC history uh, I think that's a massive exaggeration um, I just think mm. Romero just didn't yeah, it's yeah. It, it's literally going back to your point, Robert, whether Romero should have been putting more pressure on, um, particularly as you get into round three and four, where you're expecting him to start doing a little bit more, and it was almost in the last, you know, like twenty seconds where you start to see a bit of tempo, a bit of pressure against the cage, and then it's over. It's like, well, where was that two rounds ago? <laughs> just yeah, and. It would have just made it. Yeah, the fight could have turned out different if if it, if he had applied that pressure, or he maybe would have got put in his arse. It's it's kind of it's a hard one, but I I mean I I for the most part my general little takeaway from it as a self proclaimed filthy casual was that I enjoyed it still watching it through. Uh, I know it was only after the backlash on people talking about it, as this was one of the ones I watched myself that I um, I guess potentially started to shape the narrative and how I saw the fight, but when I watched it myself, I didn't. I knew none of the background that was coming after it. Um, I I didn't. I didn't think it was boring <laughs> at all. But maybe that's just my perspective. I, I don't know. What what was what was your thought, Duncan? I think I, I kind of agree with both of you a little bit. Um, I think maybe in hindsight, it wasn't the best idea to hype this fight much up as much as we did. It's particularly I did. Because um, you, you look at both both fighters and they do like not to take the lead. Uh, they're very, very active and they're, they're, um, they can be very explosive, but they prefer someone else coming at them. You know, And that's maybe why both of their fights with, with Robert Whitaker were, were so action-packed, um, just minute to minute, because they had someone who was uh, in their face and asking questions and they, they had to respond and they're very good at doing that. But when you've got a situation like this, it's, it harkens back... Uh, with what you said, Bob, about the Silva fight, I think that's a, a great thing to look back at as well because, yeah, you kind of see the problem that Israel has there where he, he is way more comfortable uh, just having somebody put it on him and having to respond. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he can do absolutely everything. And he can lead, but when he's, he's leading, he's much, much slower. He's, he's much, much um, less active. And he's also just less urgent as well like I think if, if Israel believes he's winning a fight 
mm. uh, by by taking the lead and just getting some 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 jabs and kicks in here and there, he's he's comfortable to sit on that, and, and quite rightly so. Uh, you'd need to make him feel threatened. You need to get in his face to to get more action out of him. So. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a tricky one, and I, I do I do worry about Yo because I, I love him so, and I do what there's no what there's no one else I want to get uh, into the, the you know a, a title belt on as, as much as Yo Romero to sort of cap off his career, but mm. um, he's forty two now, forty three in a month's time, uh, and I think it's maybe not so much as a case of him slowing down, uh, but he's he's also he's not showing the same improvements and he's he's up there with uh, so many really young, really talented fighters and I just don't think there's probably any room for him at the very, mm. very top anymore. Um, yeah, I think you're right about that. I think that this probably was his, his last title run. Unless the next title shot, there's a freak accident and then you need another last-minute replacement, as seems to be tradition um, these days with title fights and not as fights in general, you know, people stepping up and take the mark, but um, no, the, the interesting thing about this sport is um, it's only two people, it's not like if you have a football game or basketball game scheduled and then a, a player gets injured the the game isn't cancelled, they have substitutes you know, this isn't the same thing uh, it's it's all, and then it, you could argue like, oh well they can get a short term replacement sure, they can get a quick replacement for a fighter sometimes, if there's someone by chance ready, but the issue is that um, that's not always possible, number one. But number two, the amount of marketing that goes into these fights, you know, um, when you market a basketball match, you might say, oh, you know, it's the Celtics versus uh, the Sixers or whatever. Um, and that's all you need to know. You know, that's that's all you need to know. It doesn't matter if the lineup's a little different. No one's going to be super bummed about that. Whereas in this, it's always going to be name versus name. And if that name doesn't show up, that's a problem. So it's a little... It's more all or nothing. So, well, my point with all that is, is that sometimes we make these things all or nothing, but we are really just riding our hopes on the health of two people, which is really, um, it's gambling. It really is. You never know what's going to happen. Hence, Tony and Khabib being cancelled six times. I know it's not their fault this time, but the other times it was for different reasons. Um, so we kind of set ourselves up for failure being MMA fans because we do put all our hopes that these two people will have nothing go wrong in their life nothing go wrong in their weight cut, nothing go wrong in their training, nothing go wrong in their sparring, and that, and they'll also perform to the exact level we expect come fight night. Yeah. You know, Which people have always, bad nights. Yeah, and, and not even just having bad nights. Sometimes the, the way that they fight maybe is the right way for them to go. I mean, they know, yeah. them and their coaches in their camp, um, you know, know the ins and outs of, of what they're doing better than we do. But if it even if it's the, the perfect way to fight, the best possible way they can fight that particular opponent, if it's not action packed, you know we don't really want to see it. Even if they've done their best, even if it was the most effective uh, route to victory, uh, sometimes we still come away uh, feeling a bit a bit disappointed. So yeah, it's uh, it's just a tricky one for them. That's yeah. That's why guys like Colby Covington and Kamara Usman um, try to market themselves. I mean, Colby Covington more so. He tried to go the he's trying to go the shock um, heel turn route to market himself because the style initially was kind of boring. It was very wrestle heavy, a lot of ground and pound. wasn't in a super exciting way either. Karmar Usman, very similar. Started trying to say this all this uh, a Mister Thirty Percent Nigerian nightmare talk and really relying on the guys who wanted to fight him, smack talking with them. You know, 
they realize their style's not exactly crowd pleasing sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes sometimes the stars align in a way you don't expect. And that Usman and Covington fight was one of the most entertaining fights of the year because they just yeah. stood there and punched each other's heads in for 25 minutes. Not one ounce of wrestling was used. So I think, you know, you got to be on your toes with MMA. I don't think you can really just accept that things are going to be... If, if fights turn out the way you think they should, that's actually a blessing, really. It's actually quite fortunate it's turned out the way you think it will. Um, and that's yeah. why these fights get built so well um sometimes but it's, an, anyway. it's like it's an interesting one though because like it's it's a sport like unlike when you're talking about basketball and football slash soccer or american football there's like a clear there's a clear goal like it ultimately it doesn't matter how someone scores a basket or scores a goal <laughs> because ultimately when they get the goal there's a defined point that they get and that's what matters whereas mm. um there's for 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 the UFC and all combat sports, and obviously other sports as well, it's built on a structured system for point scoring, and that's not necessarily conducive to the most, you know, marketable and you know interesting product. Although you know X amount of strikes means X amount of points, but ultimately, if a guy holds a position, doesn't get hit and puts out enough points on the other side and that's the best way to win, then the athlete should be trying to do everything in that situation to take the route that gets the least damage and gets the most points. Um, it just might not be what we want to see. <laughs> you, can't, yeah. you, can't judge, you, can't, you can't sit back and be like, oh, fuck, he should have just done this then because it <coughs> goes against the whole purpose of what the sport exists for. And there's different <clears throat> takes on it. You know, in, in the past, um, <clears throat> I think... Uh, you know, back when it was fried in the, the days of Japanese MMA uh, reigning supreme and, you know, everyone fighting these Japanese promotions, uh, I think the pride, pride rules was when it went to a decision, uh, it was whoever got the closest to the finish, which is interesting um, and, and so wildly different from what we have now. We are, uh, I don't know I, that. I, yeah, and I think it's probably for the best that's changed because uh, it, it opens up the routes to victories and it allows... Um, it allows people who've maybe dominated, you know, uh, four rounds in a really uh, disciplined performance to, to, you know, get the best of someone who's maybe come close to finishing them with a, a, a choke after catching them out. Uh, but it's, it's interesting because it's still in a state of flux, it's still subjective and it can still change in the future. But um, yeah, yeah, you're quite right in saying that it's, uh, it's maybe a, a bit of a barrier of entry to MMA sometimes because you're watching a fight and you're not too sure who's winning or how it's well, yeah, you, you decided need to, who's winning you need to, and what's better you, un- yeah, you, you, you understand from a base level I think anyone who turned on the UFC particularly me when I, when I started watching it like X person X, X person more X person wins um, but like there's a whole set of rules that I probably still don't even close to fully understand when I watch these and I feel like I do um, that goes into how the whole fight's structured and how the point system works um, and if, if you come in from a complete no idea perspective that could be incredibly daunting and that grey area that gets your reddit heads that Robert absolutely loves to argue like fuck about what happened in a fight because there's, there's not uh, this team scored or this person scored the most points definitively that's never going to be the case in any fight that ever happens because someone could have a perspective that 
that any number of things went a different way and it, it becomes a, a subjective rather than objective which yeah, is, it'd be like uh, in a, a, if it was a football match and there was no nil, nobody scored and at the end instead of declaring it a draw they said well we've got to pick a winner uh, who came closest to scoring? Who had yeah. uh, who had the more pa- who had more passes? Who had more attacks? More chances? Um, you know, and tried to, to split hairs through there. And it's, it's never going to please everyone. In this case, it did not please us. Uh, we were left a bit <laughs> disappointed by this fight. But I think, um, in a, in a funny way, that was more than made up for. Because while we were disappointed with this particular fight, the Colmian event was a different story. I think that massively surpassed all of our expectations. We barely touched on it. The last episode we had, and um, it, it keep coming away from it, it was the only fight people were talking about. Uh, mm. Of course, that's, it's, Robert is better at pronouncing these ladies' names than I am, so I'll, I'll, I'll let him introduce this one. Uh, as Wei Li Zhang and Joanna Jenjacek. I don't think I'm actually saying Jenjacek properly because I heard her say it in an interview and it sounded quite different from that. So I think even Jenjacek is not even the actual way to say it. Um, we'll go with Joanna you know going forward. Joanna, Joanna Champion, as some people really call her. But uh, she's not a champion anymore, so it doesn't really work. She just has to go by Joanna J, I guess. But um, yeah, man, what a fight. That, honestly, I think. Um, I think I expected it to be a decent fight, but I don't think I expected it to be the greatest women's MMA fight of all time, which I think mm-hmm. it is, um, or even one of the best fights of all time. Period. Um, I don't it's know if one you're one of the gonna, best I've seen. Yeah, I don't know if you were going to preface, uh, kind of set the scene for the fight or anything, Duncan. But I mean, I can go ahead if you want. It was just mm-hmm. non-stop action. It just—I don't think there was more than five seconds with of space where they weren't hitting each other now maybe that i mean i might be slightly exaggerating but really like if you think of most fights you see i mean 10 seconds isn't that much time but there wasn't i don't even feel there was even five seconds where there wasn't something happening in that fight constantly landing shots in each other constantly pressuring each other constantly you know the momentum of the fight also went back and forth several times at certain times zhang looked hurt at certain times joanna looked hurt you know um and by the end of it Joanna's head was a balloon, Ariel. That was the worst Conor McGregor. Uh, well, we've, <laughs> we've, we've, um, we've both done some bad McGregor impressions this episode, but Colin can get his in <laughs> a wee bit later when, when he finds an opening there. Um, but yeah, it was incredibly dense and action-packed. Uh, and yeah, there, there wasn't a moment that they were tentative or uh, you know not not sort of coming... F- Zhang was coming forward at uh, Joanna constantly. Um, and I think it's interesting, Bob, because, uh, yeah, they, it was super competitive and it did swing both ways, but um, I think something that may have impacted the judges quite heavily uh, is just how awful, <laughs> frankly, Joanna looked at the end of the fight. I mean, I don't know if that's like a, a freak injury, obviously um, exacerbated. I've never, never seen anything like that in my life. I, I, I don't even know what was going on. I, I, I was I was sitting there with my jaw open as you got to the later ha- parts of that fight, and I she kept getting hit in the same place and wondering, this this surely can't get any bigger, and it just got bigger. Yeah, if you if you haven't uh, if you maybe haven't seen the fight or haven't seen the aftermath, it's it's worth it's worth looking up because it's um it leaves her looking like a character from Star Trek, you know, with those ones with the. <laughs> 
<laughs> Klingons, is it? The, the weird heads are the worst Star Trek. But, um, Dunk, Duncan Pretend doesn't know what a Klingon is, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but I don't know. It's a Vulcan. Closet Trekkie right here. But um, moving swiftly <laughs> past that, so I'm not outed. Um, um, the worst, it's a hematoma. Um, the only time I'd seen one that bad before, and I'd, ever, I'd never seen it live, I'd only ever seen pictures of it, was... Um, I believe it was UFC 129, it was Mark Hominick, um, he fought Jose Aldo, and he, you know what, he still didn't look as bad as Joanna did, he has this giant thing coming out of his forehead, he does look like he's, you know, an extra in Star Trek or whatever, but um, that was probably the worst one I'd ever seen on a face until that point, you'll see fighters' legs get him all the time, like, mm. um, if they get kicked really badly, they'll, you'll see, like, spots kind of swelling up and stuff and all that, but... Um, I mean, seeing them on the head is super like that bad is super rare. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that did influence the judge's decision a bit because it was such a razor thin fight. I didn't know how to mm. score it. I really didn't. Yeah. Um, you can make a case. I think some cases you could some rounds you thought right, okay, that was clear. But like we're saying, it was so back and forth. And there was a couple of rounds where it was so close, you're just like, wow, I've, I've no idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not necessarily saying the judges made the wrong decision. Um, no, no, like I'd, I'd probably go the same way, but if, if you're, imagine you're, you're sitting watching that fight live, there's so much happening, there's so many strikes, there's so much volume. Um, and when you get to the end of it, after such a back and forth, it would be really, really difficult to say who's won. And I think looking at them physically and the damage sustained, when one of them has a normal head and the other one has two heads, <laughs> you'd probably think well I'll just give it to the one with the normal head who's not got um, you know you're not going to give it to Megamind over there I, exactly exactly <laughs> yeah you're not going to give it to Sloth from the Goonies you know what I mean oh I love the Megamind comparison Bob that's amazing yeah that's, Sorry. this is what happens when you're you're well studied in MMA memes you, you know all <laughs> I personally thought she looked a wee bit like you may not know who I'm talking about but the guy Benny from the mummy when he's being chased backed up by the mummy and he's pulling out all the different religious necklaces he has and he's holding them up I feel like when she was holding up her cross at the end she looked a wee bit like him I know I think I know the character you're talking about but I can't remember the face well enough to, to put the comparison in my head maybe I need to, a quick google to, I think we all see. have those films on VHS or DVD when we're growing up that because that's the films we had as kids, we just watched them on repeat. Yeah. That, I had I had the Mummy. That was one of that was one of ours. So I'm quite a uh, 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 Mummy fanatic. Well, not really fanatic, but um, <laughs> what was it? Mummyologist? No, I can't even think of it. Egyptologist. That's the word I'm looking for. There you go. <laughs> just because of that film. There you go. Anyway, no, that was a fantastic fight. I loved, loved it. Even I was going to say, even the grappling exchanges that were mostly. There you go, Colin's on a picture of Benny. That's what I was thinking of when I saw. Her. <laughs> um, but even the grappling exchanges, mostly initiated by uh, Zhang, I believe, um, they weren't really stalling. She was still trying to work pretty much the whole time. I think there was maybe one time she sort of stalled a little bit, but you, she was still pushing. You know. Um, fantastic fight I just um, for me it really solidified that Zhang is where she belongs she can hang uh -huh. with the top fighters yeah. but yeah. also showed that Jinjicic isn't past it either you know she's still more than capable of coming back and um, maybe even reclaiming it one day you know provided she can fight without getting another watermelon growing under her skin 
I've, I've been playing a lot of Resident Evil uh, 2 as well lately, the remake. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to complete um, Leon's hardcore run-through, and uh, it kind of made me think of some of the, the, the bosses you fight with that that have been infected with the T-Virus, thinking of growths popping out their necks and stuff. Kind of thought of that a little bit. <laughs> Can I also yeah. plug Resident Evil, Resident Evil 3 remake coming out April 4th, I believe? Super it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a shame um, that, you know, while this was a fantastic fight, most of our time spent discussing <laughs> it has been comparing Joanna <laughs> to various different fictional characters, <laughs> given the extent of her injuries. Uh, we hope she gets better, but I'm sure she'll, she'll be back in no are you time telling me, Are you telling me Sloth from the Goonies is fictional? Here we go, that's another one, here we go. Um, that's a good no, few I, you're right though, she deserves... Up. She deserves a lot more respect. Um, but no, a, a fantastic fight. Uh, I think, as you know, it's um, respect to both women. Uh, jo- Joanna did undoubtedly look like all of these things, but um, she'll. And Colin's uh, uh, shown as another comparison. I don't know what that one. No, that's just uh, her with the bruising. No, after the aftermath. Oh, yeah. That was that was oh, arguably God. the worst part. Her recovery, her bruising covered her whole face, and yeah. it looked like she was doing blackface. It, it does a bit. This is the first time I've seen the because obviously I'm I'm looking through um, images of the fight just now. But yeah, like it's all across her face. Like <laughs> maybe her chin. It's not got bruising on it, but that's about it. <laughs> she looks like the, the ultimate warrior. <laughs> or sting with that makeup. Anyway, I'm gonna stop slagging Joanna. She could probably batter me if she wanted to. Um, anyway, that was I'm glad we all kind of agreed though. That was. Yeah. it was really a shame you see you even saw it at the end of the fight trying to cover it with the flag because she saw it yeah. in the big screen and she made herself look like Cosimodo for a wee bit which was a real it was a real shame there's another but one you, <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> say keep Bob, coming. straight in with a number you know, <laughs> oh, you know the bit where, she, where he's running away covered and all that that's what oh, anyway I'm gonna stop I'm gonna stop um, <laughs> shout out to my childhood DVDs and VHSs. <laughs> but um, they certainly uh, solidified um, Zhang as a, a you know a, a real legitimate title holder uh, as a threat to anyone, and I think any questions have been answered. And it's interesting to to see what's next. I don't think there's any clear cut number one contender in that division anymore. You know, Rose is still sidelined. Uh, Tatiana Suarez is still sidelined. So I don't know who they're going to do. They maybe even could just do a rematch. If I was going to, I was about to say, are you not expecting a rematch after that? Because I, I think I the thought... extent of the injuries get maybe make me a bit hesitant to suggest that would be the case. But given the schedule we're on just now, uh, there's a long potential window. Yeah, yeah, could happen. Could happen. We'd be up for it. Uh, definitely. I don't think you can, I don't think those two can have a bad fight after that. I don't think the dynamic would change dramatically. So it'd always be always be something worth watching. Uh, but yeah, it was a, a good card altogether. I don't know if there's any anything else from that card. Either of you want to touch on or? Uh, maybe for time, not really. But you're you're on you're on hitting the nail on the head. Jang cemented herself as top of the food chain, and Joanna cemented herself as uh, an elephant woman. But we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> All right, no comment there. No comment. <laughs> moving, moving swiftly past that, uh, we we have had one other UFC event uh, since then. And it was the UFC Brazilia card just uh, just getting there. Uh, but yeah, a bit of a strange one. Um, so this this event continued, <laughs> regardless of, of being in the, the you know the the wake of uh, coronavirus sort of outbreak. Uh, so it couldn't continue with a live studio audience. 
um, it did just continue behind closed doors, so a, quite a strange dynamic to the fight. Uh, as you were saying, Bob Early, it, it did take place in an arena, but there's no fans, there's no spectators, there's no booing, there's no cheering, uh, and it it does kind of change how you how you watch it, and it makes it quite a an interesting but quite a strange experience. Uh, mm. In a sense, we had a couple of good fights there. We had Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira topping things off. Uh, another couple, so with Damien May and Gilbert Burns. Um, mm. But yeah, what are your th- sort, of, sort of thoughts on these events? Um, man, it was it was like watching like Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender series, just with the, yeah. the way the audio was, because all you could hear was the corners. Um, but you could hear the fighters so much more. You could hear every. I feel like you could hear every deep breath. You could hear every grunt. You could hear every you know knee slapping off shin. You could hear every punch. It was it was really. Um, it was kind of entertaining from that perspective that you kind of got it felt a bit more visceral than you know the crowd being there what was nice was when stuff maybe was a bit slower you didn't have 20,000 people booing that was, yeah that no was no nice. woo, none of that uh, yeah it's always irritating uh we yeah definitely we also didn't have to listen to the crowd scream oh vamos hey when you know anyone who wasn't brazilian came out um at, I know it's just Brazilian culture and fights and stuff, but it is kind of annoying sometimes. But some good fights in that one, man. Um, it was really sad to see Gilbert Burns just knock the dust off Damien Chaya's... Damien Chaya? Damien Maya's chin. Um, Maya... Jack Slack made a great point about that fight. Was I thought it was kind of premature, but then he noted that, you know, once Gilbert caught him with that, I believe it was a left hook, and put him on his bum, um, He Maya made no attempt to stop Gilbert Burns passing his guard which is like you know that's not ever going to happen for a black belt who's got all his faculties in order uh, Damien Maia's level especially didn't even try and prevent the guard pass and I think it wasn't I think he may have been okay but the volume that Gilbert was throwing on the ground there the kind of rapid kind of hammer fist he was throwing I think that was enough to seal the deal oh yeah yeah absolutely agree um I didn't catch Francisco Trinaldo and John McDessie um Man, Trinaldo's such a good fighter. He's so underrated. He's so consistent as well. He's got a decent record. Yeah. He just is a bit older, so he doesn't get billed that well. But this was a nice um, main card slot for him. Johnny Walker had more holes in his game exposed by Nikita Krylo. I think Nikita basically hit him with some nice kind of karate kicks and wrestled him way more than Johnny expected him to. You Did you say you, you found out something about Johnny Walker earlier? Uh no I don't uh I don't I thought he I, I thought he he mentioned that he was dyspraxic or something like that oh yeah no I said um, he came out as dyspraxic but that's more just uh, a figure of speech I could just the, the the way that he sort of composed himself that fight I just mean he's a bit like he's a bit like Bambi on ice or something um, just, I thought you oh no I misread no, the notes I've not been been a bit facetious there, but um, it was, yeah, it was. It's just Johnny Walker's a weird one because he comes in his first few fights in the UFC looking like an absolute stone cold killer, uh, but then once you see a fight go three rounds, um, and he's having to move and be put in the back foot, and um, it, it just kind of looks a bit clumsy and a bit lost, mm. and you you get the sense that he's he's he, he's a he's a weird combination where he's, he he might be extremely powerful. But he doesn't look very athletic, in a sense. It's a strange combo. I don't know if you know what I mean there. But, um, no, when you said came out 
dyspraxic. I thought he meant he actually came out as being dyspraxic. I thought, oh my god, well done. Good for him making it to the UFC with this disadvantage. <laughs> no, no, I didn't, did not mean for that to sound as disparaging. But, as I, it, as but I believed it. But I believed it because, of your point, yes, he does look like Bambi and I sometimes. Um, he's just a, I think he's just a big lad. It's almost like kid. He's just a big lad trapped in their own body. Yeah, he's, he's almost overgrown. Yeah, that's how it kind of, yeah. kind of looks. Um, a strange one, but because... I think um, the the Corey Anderson loss was was tough because it was a you know first round knockout uh, and it kind of derailed his hype train. But I think this was a bit more damning, in the sense that after seeing these three rounds with Nikita Krylov, you, you think that Johnny Walker is probably not going to ascend to that, that like upper upper tier of light heavyweight anytime mm-hmm. soon. There's probably quite a lot he has to kind of get together there in terms of just a, having more of a fundamental game plan uh, when when the fight's going to drag out like that. Yeah, he's he's a young guy. He obviously likes to try wild stuff and have fun with his job you know and uh, you can't hold that against him um i know when he was knocking people at left right and center i thought oh man yes maybe he could spark john jones in one round who yeah, knows yeah. but but after seeing these kind of back-to-back losses i'm like nah, it's um i wouldn't say it's flash in the pan i don't think he's done he's still i mean how old is he? he's in his mid-20s early 20s um yeah he's, he's still young. yeah yeah he's still alert even if he's not maybe even if he was 30 he still seems young um, he's he's still going to learn in the sport. You know, he's one of those guys that's going to learn as he goes. He's going to pick up things, and um, I'm, I think his career could have lots of surges. You know, he may drop down a bit and come back a few times. I think he'll I think he'll stick around. Though he's he's entertaining enough. You know, yeah. I think. Oh, you you stick around. He, he is uh, an entertaining personality and an entertaining fighter. Um, I don't I don't and I don't mean that he'll do badly. Just more in the sense that he'll become one of those guys like you know Jan Blakowicz was for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Same with Nikita Krylov, where he's kind of hovering, hovering around the the bottom half of the the top fifteen at light heavy. Yeah. I think that's going to be him for a, maybe a good maybe a good while uh, before he can potentially make those adjustments necessary to, to get into title contention again. What would be really interesting? Well, not interesting. What actually be kind of sadly boring, but maybe sensible is that if he does go down and fight lesser ranked opponents, but he fights them more intelligently over three rounds. And he gets a consistent string of victories, but people forget who he is just because he's more well-rounded than the one-round knockout artist. Um, but, you know, that may be the smarter decision. Maybe it would be good to reevaluate his game plan and climb through the ranks again that way um, and be a bigger challenge for some of these bigger names um, instead of trying to rely on that one-round KO or that, you know, um, that out-of-nowhere victory kind of thing. I'm trying to concentrate. Colin has graciously put on highlights from that fight but weirdly enough, there's a. So I guess the uploader to avoid copyright infringement has windowed the fight in a smaller <laughs> box. But they've also, for some reason, in the side of it, put an Asian woman wearing a face mask, like a surgeon's mask. Just, just reminding you to social distance, Bob. That's all it's doing. Is that what that is? That's amazing. I think so. There's a volcano in the background outside that box as well that's going on, which is uh, another interesting nugget for this uh, highlight. Um, Go ahead and give him a give him a like, give him a share. <laughs> I will do. That's good. Um, but I this, um, but again, it was um, it, it was really strange having an empty arena. Um, I think you were going to talk about Hernato Moicano, um, and his post fight kind of kerfuffle he got into. Yeah, it's just. It's a very strange one. It's not really a fight worth watching. It was ex- over extremely quickly. Um, Meccano, 
I had quite a good run at featherweight, a couple of hard losses at the top of the division, but it's moved to lightweight now, this was his lightweight, lightweight debut, versus a guy who's uh, not done too much in, uh, in Hazovic, um, who's kind of, more just a, a kind of a gatekeeper at the moment of the lightweight division, but came out, took his back and got a rear naked choke very, very quickly into the first round, um, then screamed in the guy's face, uh, sort of followed him around the octagon, uh, and when pressed on why he's, he did this, he said he, he wanted to fight more. And I, I think there was a sense <laughs> for him that, and I don't know if this is maybe related to the fact that there's no audience, there's no cheers, there's no booze, there's no, um, there's no, there's not, that, that Brazilian crowd um, and the adulation just isn't there for him when he wins. So maybe he's just feeling like the fight's not over somehow. Mm. Uh, but it, it did lead to the brilliant exchange uh, post-fight of Renato Maicano uh, saying, you know, I, I was frustrated, I was angry because I wanted to fight longer. And then Hadzovic saying back to him, in all seriousness, well, you shouldn't have submitted me then. <laughs> so I thought it was, uh, it was quite like that, you know. It's, it's very true as well, quite like that. He's got a point. Um, He's got a point. It's a nice silly point, you know. Um, Fuck me. But not, not much to talk about there. I think Moicano was, was calling out uh, Paul Felder, if I remember correctly, which I. I don't think it's going to happen. Felder's got better things to do. Um, coming off of his his win against Barbosa, I think mm. there's bigger fights for him, better fights for him. But it's nice that he's emerged in the lightweight division. It's nice that he's got over the, the hump he was at at featherweight. So mm-hmm. be interesting to see if he can um, can really break into it uh, in the, the fights to come. But yeah, not too much there. Just a, a bit of a weird moment uh, that was uh, memorable there. Weird moments are what make the sport sometimes, though. Um... We already kind of talked about Gilbert Burns and Damien Maya. Was there anything else you wanted to mention on that one? I just, I mean, I just want your your sort of opinion on this, uh, uh, Robert and Colin. In terms of where Maya is now, uh, is this? I mean, we've I think we've been talking about Maya's retirement for a while. It's been posited. We we've definitely um, mentioned that it feels like Maya's on every other bloody fight night card at the moment. He always yeah, just seems to appear as like a a name to fill a spot. And it's progressively getting worse and worse in the most respect, <laughs> respectful way of saying that. Um, and uh, as much as I, I, some of my ini- initial love for uh, <laughs> some of the most impressive grappling I've I've seen, and I think uh, gave me an appreciation for when I started watching UFC to being mostly just looking for big hitters to see in my backpack a guy to his death essentially um, <laughs> it was amazing to watch um, yeah it's just it, for me when I watched the highlights of this event it was just a bit sad yeah again in the nicest way possible it's because um, we like Maya it's cause he's, yeah. he's, he's a very fatherly sort of figure in a weird way because how long he's been around how, how well he composes himself and it's the progeny he brings from another sport um, and you know, in his case, jujitsu. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are there, Bob. If, it, if is it time for him to hang up at long last, or is he still? Going? I think he's got a few more fights in him, man. Um, I mean, just looking at his record, right? So his first eleven fights. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Five of his first eleven were in the UFC. He was eleven and zero when he fought Chael Sonnen. The only other time he's been finished by strikes was by Nate Marquardt when Nate Marquardt was arguably at the near the top of his game 
and a real contender. Um, that was way back in 2009. So that was the last time until now that he's been finished like that. Um, he's managed to not get finished by some real killers, even when he fought Anderson Silva for the UFC middleweight title. Um, that was probably... People were saying, oh, this is the most boring middleweight fight of um, UFC title fight of all time with um, Adesanya and Romero. Those people haven't seen or don't remember Anderson Silva versus Mai. That was a very long, kind of drawn out, boring fight. But again, he managed to avoid getting knocked out by Anderson Silva. He managed to avoid getting finished by Chris Wyman. He's managed to avoid getting finished by Rory McDonald. Um, you know, the guy has got game. I mean, he is, after that 11-fight win streak, his fight record was kind of peppered, win-loss, win-loss for a wee bit. But his most recent run was from 2014. He won 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. He won 6 in a row, including Gunnar Nelson, Neil Magnick, Matt Brown, Carlos Condon, and Jorge Masvidal. Um, finished half of those guys. I mean, I don't think he's done. He is 42. He is getting up there in age. Um, but the three he lost after that, before his most recent run, were Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, and Kamar Usman. And guess what? None of those guys finished him either. All heavy hitters. Um, sure, they maybe beat the brakes off him in the sense that they won over five rounds, but none of the guys finished him. So this is actually kind of, you know, I wouldn't say it's a sign that he's slipping. I think that he just got caught. I think like anyone would get caught with Gilbert Burn. He's got fast, strong hands, uh, and he's not afraid to go to the grounds. He just looked so small in comparison. Gilbert Burns is a bit, yeah, yeah. Gilbert Burns is a thick dude. He's big. He hits hard. Um, Gilbert Burns' career has had a little bit of a resurgence lately as well. Yeah. Um, he's on at one, two, three, four. That's a five fight win streak as of now. So, um, I think he's maybe got a couple more years. I don't think he's gonna get a title run again. He's lost the three guys he lost, even if it is by decision. They're all title holders uh, or title contenders. So I think, in recent history, I mean, so he needs to maybe take a few more fights in Brazil, make some money, you know, don't put it all on the line. Just mm. take some more, backpack some more fools, take some more necks, cash and checks. Right. Yeah. I think I'm inclined to agree with you, Bob. I mean, he, he's old and he's just been knocked out and you always kind of wince in that situation and think, I oh, just, just hang it up. But... Uh, Gilbert Burns is tough because Gilbert Burns is also a world champion in jiu-jitsu and um, looking oh, at his losses recently, Tyron Woodley, Covington, Usman, Burns, those are probably the four worst matchups for him you could pick because <laughs> yeah. one's got jiu-jitsu to match him and is a much better striker, the other three are just impenetrable wrestlers who you can't take yep. down. And you yep. kind of do feel like, especially post after the Ashkin win, you could maybe beat pretty much everyone else in the entire division. It's just those are bad matchups for him. Because he's such a specialist, a bad matchup is a very bad matchup. Yeah, um, yeah when when he's when he's not gonna ha- do much on the on his feet at all. Yeah. It's, it's literally all waiting for him to go down. Yeah. I mean I'd like to see him versus Edwards and Thompson. Uh, I think there's question marks for me about those fights. It'd be interesting to see how they play out. But I am inclined to think he could kind of he could still hang, still probably tap anybody else. Uh, title contention, yeah, I think you're right in saying that's probably not going to happen, Bob. But yeah, he's, he's still a few fights in him, maybe. Uh, although yeah, we'll be revisiting this if he gets knocked out again because <laughs> it's not nice, <laughs> it's not fun to see. No, uh, we'll no, it's not. I, I would, and at that point, I'm, I mean, he's competing because he loves it, I guess. But. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, I just I just want to see him go out on a high, I guess. And I, I, I yeah, that fight was not and and yeah, you're you're right. I probably hadn't appreciated it from that perspective. And all if you look at his his um his track record, but in comparison to who he's actually been fighting, that yeah, it may, maybe get get the match up that not doesn't suit him, but isn't bad for him. And let's actually see where he stands. Um. And and then yeah, I'd I'd like him to do a couple more and probably retire because yeah. yeah, I just like I'd like to see him go out on top. So Maya, keep it up, Jan Sports and fools in the the lower ranks, uh, get paid, but stay safe, please. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's only one on last fight to talk about. I think that was the main event, uh, Kevin Lee versus Charles Oliveira. Uh, great matchup, a bit of a funny one because I think both of these guys were almost on the opposite path in their MMA career right now. Kevin Lee's someone who's uh, been vaunted as the next big thing several times and, and certainly mm. was coming into this fight. Uh, he's, he's, you know, not too long ago he finished Gil- I was going to say Gilbert Gottfried there but that's, that's a completely <laughs> different... He's going stir crazy here. He, uh, he, he finished uh, Gregor Gillespie, of course, the other double G we love. Um, with a spectacular head kick, uh, just started mm. training at a different camp at TriStar this time, up with Firas Sahabi, who, who trained GSP, and we were thinking, this is maybe a new Kevin Lee, this is maybe a Kevin Lee who will cash in on his potential. And then, on the other side of the cage, you had Charles Oliveira, who has been a gatekeeper in two divisions for such a long time, and a, a fan favourite, someone who holds a, uh, you know, a performance bonus record, a submission record, uh, someone that, if you're in the know, if you're maybe a bit more of a hardcore fan of MMA, you'll, you'll definitely know, you'll definitely love to see. But nevertheless, someone who's had a lot of trouble ascending to that point where you're at title contention. And um, I don't know about you, but I kind of felt like this would just be another one where Charles Oliveira takes a loss and goes back to being a gatekeeper and Kevin Lee rightly ascends uh, to to the on his way to the throne, but it didn't didn't quite play out that way. I don't know what uh, what you guys thoughts were. Um, Colin, did you want to go first? You can go first. No, you go. Oh uh, well, just um, yeah. I mean, talking of Damian Maya, I mean Charles Oliveira, being younger, much younger than Maya, has nineteen submission wins. That's five more than Maya has in the UFC, which is just astounding. Um, I I thought it was a good matchup. I. Th- I've seen good things from Oliveira before, um, but I really didn't. To be honest, I'm not. I've not been a big student of Oliveira, so I wasn't 100% sure what to expect. Um, but man, I think he's made some showing of himself. Like you were saying, I totally expected Kevin Lee to win. I totally have bought into the whole, you know, Kevin Lee 2.0 from TriStar next. You know, shades of GSP in his style, and and we actually did see that. We did see. Um, some good wrestling and jiu-jitsu reversals from Lee. We saw some, even saw some ground and pound on Oliveira at a couple of points. He, he did kind of stick to his long jabbing game, um, long kicking game as well. Um, but man, Oliveira, super impressive with his striking as well. It's always been flashy, but um, it's quite... Um, his, what you've noticed from Oliveira, I, won't, I would never say a UFC fighter has pillow hands, because how could you as a pro fighter? But he's maybe not the hardest puncher in the division, but he keeps it up, you know, it's it's an attrition thing, and he throws all these fancy spinning kicks, spinning elbows, um, I think it's really just a way to overwhelm people mentally and get him to engage in his uh, grappling, and uh, I think Kevin did a pretty good, he was on the back foot a lot in the first round, as far as I remember, 
Um, I think he did feel kind of overwhelmed with the forward pressure from Oliveira. Um, found himself a little bit later on, but um, what I was super impressed with was Oliveira's leg attacks. He kept, um, I guess it's the kind of new jiu-jitsu no-gi meta we've got these days of uh, leg locks and um, leg attacks being kind of the main thing people go to when they're um, when they've got someone in their guard and they're not giving up their arm or head or anything. Um, he kept attacking Lee's legs. He kept trying to sweep him with his leg. Um, there was one point where he had his leg wrapped up and Lee was trying to turn out of it and I really thought that his knee was just going to pop the, the angle he was at. Somehow it managed not to. Um, now I was super impressed with Oliveira and his... Uh, it, it is interesting. I do wonder how his style will match up against the, like you're saying, the bigger names of the division. Um, if he is trying not to be a gatekeeper, I mean, no one ever tries to be a gatekeeper, but if he is mm. stepping up in competition, I do wonder how, you know, maybe he'll run into someone who's not afraid of his spinning attacks as much maybe a slightly harder hitter Kevin Lee though that may be kind of hard to find because Kevin Lee is a pretty big guy for the division um, but all in all uh, from what I remember that fight I was super impressed really liked the grappling exchanges um, yeah. really I didn't I didn't really know honestly that Oliver had such a diverse kind of attacking arsenal uh, he is quite a young guy as well not afraid to try new techniques and it really showed um, Colin did you manage to catch any of this fight? Uh, yeah, again, another one that I, I caught up um, later on af- after it had, uh, it had aired. Um, and uh, yeah, it was out of this whole event, it was only the, the Maya fight um, and, and this fight that I, I ended up watching all the way through. Um, and I knew, obviously, I knew uh, New Lee, um, but was not as familiar with uh, Oliveira. And I, I came away impressed with both guys uh, as another one that had a bit of everything um, and particularly that point where you were talking about with the attacking the legs and that particular leg lock I think it was like maybe the second round um, where Oliveira had Lee's uh, leg for pretty much like two minutes and it, I was I was watching with like bated breath being like I have no idea how the hell he, ke- he kept like 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 bringing him in close like going body to body and then trying to spin out of it and every single time he tried to spin I was like oh that looks so horrible mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but like when they were on the ground it was there was some really interesting roles um, and the way that they were moving um, and yeah and at the end um, I came away impressed with both guys but and particularly a name that now I will have kind of cemented in to keep an eye out for it is, is, is Oliveira um, and I'd be fascinated as you were saying as well about how both of these guys would do against some of the top guys in the lightweight um, like division um, all the way up to you know like Tony Ferguson um, or, or <laughs> Khabib like it, it, it's, it's obviously a, a, a two younger guys with a, a decent base um, and give it give it a couple more fights. It's it's definitely both guys that I'll be keeping an eye on. But no, I, 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 coming off the Maya fight, uh, when I came away a little bit sad, um, I I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Mm. I think I agree with that. I'll be keeping an eye on both. Even though Kevin Lee lost, I'll be still keeping an eye on him. Um, I think if he can learn to use his new striking to supplement his wrestling, rather than just use his new striking periods. He'll, he'll get on a lot better. Um, you can see from Oliveira, his attacks, again, they're all about 
getting the opponent to the fence, pressuring him so they have less room to move when he goes for a clinch. Um, yeah. You even saw, I believe there's a flying knee at one point in the highlights we're watching here. He goes for the flying knee, but as he's doing it, he's immediately trying to reach around the back of Lee's neck for a guillotine. Um, so it is all, he's always got his submission game in mind. It's just that he can, he's a bit better. I think he just came out on top because he was a bit better at mixing up the martial arts, as it's all about. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're both young. Again, they're both learning. I mean, it's quite a cliched thing to say, but it's, it's so true. They're both learning as they go. They're certainly not guaranteed to be on a downward trajectory to the bottom of the rankings. It's just that, um, you know, it was a tough fight for both guys. And someone has to walk away the winner at the end of the day. But it wasn't even a one-sided beatdown either. I mean, I'm looking at the highlights again. Kevin Lee did use his wrestling really, really well. I was going to say, like, I thought Lee did really, really well. Um, I actually thought, when I, I didn't know the results when I watched these highlights. Um, or when I watched the the two main um, the, the two main fights in the card. Um, and I honestly thought Lee was going to win it um, after that, that second round. Um mm. They, he did and, hit harder, yeah, but it, it, yeah, but it, it, it was it was like shot for shot going both ways throughout the first like all three. I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so. I, I I think I agree with both of you. Um, I, I I really like uh, Oliveira, um, and it, it doesn't even matter to me if he keeps on winning, but just as a as a sort of fighter, you can guarantee you're going to get an action packed fight with, um. Absolutely, and that's sometimes to his detriment. I mean, he's one of these people who will never, never go into a fight uh, with anybody trying to stay on his feet. He's never going to look at, um, a, you know, a, a really strong wrestler or someone who's maybe uh, more experienced than him in, in jiu-jitsu and think, well, I better try and keep this standing. Um, yeah. Part of his game plan is just that he can pour on the volume. He can, like you say, Bob, throw stuff like flying knees and backhands with impunity because he's he's confident if he's taken down. He can get with the better of them in any exchange on the ground, um, and sometimes that's to his detriment. Uh, I, and you know when he was on the ground with um, Anthony Pettis and Ricardo Lamas, he was kind of sometimes not getting the better end of the exchanges, particularly against Pettis. But nevertheless, he was letting himself go to the ground again and again and again. But it's mm. just there's no um, there's no real element of staying out of danger to him at all. Uh, for better or for worse, he's he's like I kind of like Fabricio Verdum. He's just so confident. Um, and his his gapping ability that he, he can strike with a lot of volume and uh, just uh, come forward all the time. Um, well, creativity as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and some 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 great um, particularly on the ground, some some really creative stuff. Uh, it does make me wonder. While Oliveira will certainly be uh, getting a higher ranked opponent next and, and making his long slow climb up the the log jammed lightweight ladder, I think this is the second time uh, Kevin Lee's missed weight hmm. at lightweight. And he's he's someone who's big for the division, and I think you saw it in this fight. Uh, like we've all seen that he was doing some really good stuff, but he'd slowed yeah. down. And the cardio difference, the fact that Oliveira could really keep going and keep, and the part of that was because of what Oliveira was doing. He was able to just continue with the same pressure. Uh, uh, but you saw the the lack of cardio that that Lee had going into the later rounds, and I think partially that's just because he's too big. He's even without missing weight or maybe mismanaging the cut. He's, he's just a bit too big for lightweight, but he lost mm. his only welterweight fight, and it's tough for him because I think we all think he's got uh, incredible potential. He's got all the right physical physical gifts and, and qualities to, to make it there, but 
uh, I don't think at the moment welterweight isn't quite the right fit for him. Lightweight isn't quite the right fit for him. I know Kevin Lee is one of the names that people talk about if they were ever going to open up a 165 division. Um, that would mm-hmm. maybe be the one for him. Yeah. But at the moment, I don't know where he goes next. Does he Does he maybe stay at lightweight, take a, a, a lower-ranked opponent, um, try and just get back in that win column, uh, try and manage the cut a wee bit better? Or is, is another crack at welterweight uh, the, the way to go for him? He was claiming that the doctor stopped him from cutting weight in Brazil. And I don't really know <laughs> how much I believe that to be true. Um, and if it's true or not, the point is he's still too heavy. He is having issues with it. Um, we should talk about the finish as well because that was quite interesting. But um, yeah, the like we've like you said, he is one of the guys that's always mentioned when the one sixty five talk comes up. He, the thing is, when he did go to welterweight, he lost to Rafael dos Anjos. Who, yeah. even though he's maybe been in a bit of a losing skin himself, is an absolute killer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really tough fight for your first new weight class fight to take, especially against a guy who's been kind of hanging around there for a little bit, getting used to it. It's not like he's making his debut that weight as well. Um, yeah. I think he could maybe take a welterweight fight that um, maybe someone who's not guaranteed to take his head off. You know, I wouldn't say she go fight Gilbert Burns or something right away. Yeah. But because he's such a young, exciting guy, and even though he's just lost, he's got name brand value, um, he's probably going to get put against someone with a name, and that's going to be tricky for him. But I think uh, if he could work on his weight somehow, if he could figure out what's going on there, like he said, it's the second time, and sure, that'd be great. I mean, other people have had issues and came back, like Yo Romero. He's had weight issues before and fixed it. Um, But, you know, it doesn't look like there's an ounce of fat on the guy when he's cutting weight, so it's nothing to do with that. It's just... I think he does need to go maybe up to 170 and build his build himself there. Maybe work through the rankings. Um, he's such a compelling character though, because in his first fight he gave uh, Tony Ferguson on short notice a run for his money for the interim belt. Yeah. And you think you know this guy's got potential. It's just that he's just it's just not gone his way a few times. A few things have just stopped him. Um, just rewatching the finish here though, we see uh, Oliveira got just an amazing, amazing guillotine finish um, it was so quick as well so so man, quick so quick I mean being like I mentioned I think before my jiu-jitsu gym's closed um, so it'll be a while before I feel the squeeze of another man's forearm around my throat but when <laughs> someone has you in a choke I mean you guys have done some training as well like it's so uncomfortable even from a white belt it's even quite you know painful at times even if the person's not the best but when you have a squeeze from a black belt even when i've had black belts just you know lightly demonstrate the technique on me so i know what it feels like in my god i want to tap before they even properly finish what they're doing (laughs) they actually start applying any pressure (laughs) yeah and they're not even really putting on so a guy like Oliveira, a black belt world champion i believe isn't he in jiu-jitsu if not i'm sure he could be i mean his squeeze has just got to be absolutely insane that you're going to make a guy like Lee tap out so quickly um, we saw Lee as soon as uh, Oliver lets go of the tap Lee tries to take his back after the ref stops the fight oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. and he tries to claim that he didn't tap but um, the ref actually ne- it's a f- never seen a more clear tap in my life <laughs> no this wasn't this wasn't Alistair Overeem scene I literally felt the tap with Stipe Miocic and then there was no tap. It was clearly as light as day. There was a tap, um, but uh, is it is it Beltran? Is that the ref's name? The guy with the the 
the ponytail from a beard, the yeah. tassels. He um did a great job of kind of slowing and saying, "No, look at the video, look at the video, you'll see it." I think he honestly was out for a second and didn't know what happened. I, I don't think it I, was true. Yeah, I can't no, see how I can't been, yeah. I can't see the logic and why he would have tried to take his back if he hadn't gone out because there's no way there's no there's no doubt in the decision that he was tapping out of the fight. So he obviously must have gone out, come back, and forgot or lost the point of where he was in the fight. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not as if because it's there's no audience. He thinks that nobody's filming it, or nobody's watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah like you say, Bob, he was must have been out for a moment and just uh, yeah, happens. I guess. I mean, it, it's very possible. I think it's what happened. You you see it all the time with guys who wrestlers who get hit really hard and it's it's a finish. They'll try some. Have you seen guys trying double leg the ref? Yeah, they don't, they don't even notice that he's wearing trousers for goodness sake um, but you think about it too Lee, it's not, we always say oh wrestlers are fighting on instinct and that's why they do it true, but it's also because they've just been spending probably the last 10 or so minutes fighting fighting, fighting, not sparring, fighting like fighting, fighting, so of course if you get out for a half second and you come back your instinct is going to be, oh I'm still doing this, you know yeah Um I think it's what we well, think it has it. to be the reaction you would assume because if it's not then that hesitation where they're they're not straight back in it when they come out of it they could it literally could be them getting you know taken out again <laughs> so they need yeah. to be taking the opportunity when they come back from that state being like right I need to get to this guy keep him down mm. and you don't have to be completely unconscious for this to happen to you I mean <laughs> losing air and blood circulation to your head that quickly can just confuse the shit out of you, really. Yeah. Like, you know, your brain can do funny. Th- your mind can do, do funny things when that happens. So, um, I don't. I don't hold it against Lee. Totally. I think even Charles Oliveira knew that when he was comforting him after the fight. He's like, like yeah, I, I know that's what was going on. Don't worry about that kind of thing. Um, but now, like Justin Duncan, um, excited to see what happens next. Even if Lee's on, not winning, not not currently on a win streak, I'm excited to see what where he goes from here. Hmm. Then all of it more so, just because I think his his potential is finally being kind of explored a bit more. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, still, still bright futures for both guys. Uh, someone's got to win, someone's got to lose. But um, I think we're we're wanting to see what they do next. Um, and and that was that was that that was the last UFC fight there was, and it may be the last UFC fight for quite some time. Um, now we did touch on this earlier, but. Uh, there are some UFC fights being moved to the... Uh, they were supposed to be on the London card, which was cancelled, being moved to Cage Warriors. Uh, so there's going to be a couple of what are <laughs> technically UFC fights, but, you know, don't actually appear on the UFC card. Um, but that's 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 not really really happened yet, and it is only a couple of fights. Yeah. Um, so we've still got quite a big stretch ahead of us where we, we may not have much... In the way of fights to, to go on, um, but you know I think last time we were doing a podcast we done the King of the Casuals quiz. Um, <laughs> I was at a slow, and I think we could. There's there's certainly similar things that we we were were looking to do, um, so we will be looking despite the fact there's no fights to, to uh, stay with our dear listeners. Uh, and deliver some some the real don't sweat the technique, audio action your way straight <laughs> through your letterbox, um, during these trying times. But was there anything else you wanted to, to 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 touch on, boys? Any other other fights? Uh, just any other news in general? 
No, it's it's probably a good time if you've not got. I mean, I don't have a fight pass, but it'd be maybe a good time to buy it if you already watch some old yeah. fights that you really like. Absolutely. Um, is, is the UFC okay? This is this is uh, coming out of what I know from other sports. Are the UFC not offering fight pass as free at the moment? No. Good question. I don't know. Because I know that the NBA currently and their NBA league pass is currently doing up until I think it might be. April something they've got free so you can watch all the archived games and I think the NFL are doing something similar so I would be surprised if they've not announced it yet that they they might not in the near future they have not announced it it's still okay. the same price as it was just check there um, what you, you can also do fight pass is a great option but uh, you know if you have access to you know the Pirate Bay or uh, similar sites <laughs> Um, you know, I do not, not condone this. I do yeah, not I'm not saying this. what or what you should not. Just download things that are in the public domain. <laughs> but um, it's a good thing if you want to download maybe uh, the old black and white films, things like that. Yeah, definitely jump in the pirate bay, see what you can find. <laughs> uh, we're not, hey, we're not condoning it. I mean, it's just stating a fact. I can, I can say that if you want to kill someone, you can go buy a gun and shoot them. That doesn't mean I'm saying you should do it. I'm just saying it's possible. Yeah, we are. We're offering. Uh, we're we're, all, we're not. We're not saying to one thing or the other, but certainly one three three X. That's a good one as well. Kickass torrents. Uh, there's, there's quite a few ones you could find uh, if you want to have a wee a wee route around for for some some old fight action. You should you should um, make the rounds when there's a fight event on because whenever there's fight events happening, um, Reddit is just full of people asking for links. <laughs> I feel like I feel like everyone on Reddit has amnesia that they can't remember the site that they last used to stream fights. If that's what they do, hey, when we lost um, when we lost our slash MMA streams, it was a dark day for all of us. We're still coping with the aftermath of that. Uh, we'll, we'll get there together. We'll get there together. I will defend Brendan Schwab to the death. It was not his fault. Ooh. It was already in the works. When that happened, NBA had the same thing happen. That wasn't Brendan Schwab's fault. It wasn't like the yeah. UFC were sitting with interns and then they watched uh, Brendan Schwab on the podcast and went, oh, is that where they're doing it? On the internet? Quick! <laughs> Let's get a complaint filed. But you, you know yourself, it's, it's fun to brain Brendan Schwab for things that are not his fault. Um, it's I won't, a past time we'll continue <laughs> to do it. I won't defend his comedy special. But I'll defend him in that specific instance. I've, I've literally said, never heard him in anything outside of Joe Rogan's podcast, to be honest. King it's of the, the only touch podcast. Is the the check out going. I I think I did do that for you, mate, and I wasn't I wasn't overly impressed, but uh, maybe, maybe I feel maybe, like just, I did. That's the problem. Uh, the idea that you'd you'd hear Brendan Jobs' appearances in Joe Rogan's podcast and think, actually, I need to seek out more of this man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so baffling to me. Uh, but I don't know. I respect that people tell me his podcasts are good. I'll maybe in these these times of, of very little. You've got nothing to but do. time. I'll, I'll give one a listen, but I well, really want to hear it. In defence of King and the Sting. You know, great artists can't produce art without great canvases. You know, they need the equipment. I like to think that King and this thing, Theo Vaughn is the artist, he's the actual comedian. And Brendan Schwab is, he's like the canvas, he's like the the kind of listening board, the kind of thing he can bounce his ideas off of and kind of, you know, bring it to the next level. He has a participant to help him achieve that. I don't think Brendan is actually the source of the entertainment in that show, but um, they pair well together. Like wine and cheese... And he's still reaching for those grapes, as a wise man once said. Mm. <laughs> mm. Our, our, our sensei, 
once said that. Senor, Senor uh, Jacob Ortiz. Um, but no, I don't think it was much more I wanted to touch on in regards to fights. Just that um, um, I know ESPN. I know you're talking about get access and fights. ESPN were showing yesterday a bunch of well, they advertised that is showing some of the greatest fights in UFC history. There was a uh, Shogun and Henderson. There was Conor and Diaz one and two. There was Israel Adesanya and uh, Kelvin Gastelum. Mm. Name a few. And um, no, that wasn't the case. What they showed was the edited versions of the fights, like the dramatized versions of them, where they have like the far more cuts to the crowds and the swelling music and the, the, the flashbacks, the behind the scenes stuff and all that kind of stuff. And interviews cutting in the middle. It really took the wind out of my sails. I was really looking forward to a whole day of fights just being in the background. And I said I had to watch this, you know, ESPN nonsense. But thankfully, they started reshowing um, the Diaz Masvidal card in its entirety at around 4 p.m. here, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just say, um, actually, would you want to, I was going to ask you guys, what is your favorite MMA fight of all time? We could revisit this topic. But I was wondering if you wanted to maybe briefly mention what your favourite fights are. And it might be different because we've all kind of joined at different eras. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I can go first because there's one that like immediately springs to mind for me. Um, that might be a bit of a strange one, um, if you've, especially if you've not seen it. I know you've seen it, Colin, because I've showed you it. But, uh, so you might know what I'm going to say. I don't know exactly what you're going to say, but go on. Yeah, so it's, it's Ryan Hall versus Gray Maynard. Uh, oh. Which... Um, Again, maybe it's something worth thinking about, but that's the one that immediately springs to mind. It's something that could be my favourite fight. I think there's so it's a hilarious fight. It's so funny, uh, and there's also there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. Like the, it's got a great dynamic. Um, it's it's one of these fundamentally MMA fights that that has has so all sorts of confusion and all sorts of problems that you you would never see anything approaching in from any other sport. Um, and it, it's 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 cemented Ryan Hall as one of my absolute favourite fighters, which is something that, that certainly continues to, to this day. Um, I think it's a really interesting fight. Um, <laughs> if we ever do revisit this, I'll, I'll talk about it in a, a bit more detail. But um, that's that's probably the one for me. Uh, and it's it's a strange one to pick as your favourite fight because Gary Maynard is awful. <laughs> he doesn't like one of the most notable things about it is how. Um, I suppose how poorly he handles the his his side of things from um, from a tactical perspective, but it's nevertheless it's it's really interesting it's really entertaining. Um, I absolutely loved see catching it live because um, it was just like oh my goodness this is this is happening this is going on. Um, that's, yeah, so that's a good one. I would I would love to hear you. Your, I I suspect Collins. I, I think I know what Collins is going to be, but I'll let him. Uh, let him fire into it. I, I mean, I, I would also maybe like to, to ponder this for, for a future, uh, but the one that obviously just up front pops into my head is the McGregor Aldo fight. Um, and that's simply because uh, <laughs> Robert had to pay me £40 at the end of 14 seconds, which made. And I think the way that you did it, Bob, was you stood up while everyone was cheering in the room at 5 a.m walked through the crowd of people in my living room, went to your bag in the hall, came in and threw the money across the room at me and then sat back down in the chair with your arms folded and I was hysterical. Um, obviously the fight was insane and the whole reaction behind it was insane. It was so much build-up to something that 
ended so so quickly but your perfect reaction to it on the bet that we had was it, it just it was like the cherry on top of the evening and it made me so happy <laughs> first of all that's not your favourite of all time that's your favourite mugging of all time okay <laughs> That was 14 seconds. Doesn't count. But, no, you're right. That 100% happened. Um, I'm a man of my words. I went and got the money. Slapped it in the hands. Yep. Slashed through it. At and you got it back. To be fair, there was a subsequent fight that I I, managed, I, I, I took on with you and, and lost handily with uh, Khabib. So, I, yeah, we're, we're, we're back to evens. So, we, we need to find another... Another fight, so I can get that forty quid. Mm, or just say like that, you know, you won forty, you lost forty. That's fine. Just call it there. <laughs> Don't get into this situation again. Neither of us are willing to put money in cowboy when Connor fought him, so we didn't do that. No, one. that's mm. true. We need. A, it um, used to be a Connor fight at this point. What about you, Man, I, I, I won't like super get into all of them. Um, I'm really just mentioned. I just thought we could mention this just in case people are thinking of fights they could go watch. Um, yeah, they forgot yeah. about him. Uh, I have three that come to mind. I won't get into them all. Um, Du Hoi Choi versus Cub Swanson. That was um, one of the best oh, fights yeah, of all banger. time. Yeah. It's also the prelude to the fights that I like. So the setup. So obviously the setup that fight was Du Hoi Choi was this phenom coming out of nowhere in South Korea, and Cub was the veteran who was sort of put in place to kind of be the the test slash you know uh, wall for Du Hoi Choi to kind of break through and make a name for himself in it. <laughs> It didn't turn out that way. Cubs ones and brought it to him. Uh, and it was just absolute chaos back and forth. If you want a fight that's kind of like the Joanna and Zhang fight, um, but only three rounds you could watch uh, Diego Sanchez. I can't believe I'm actually endorsing Diego Sanchez fighting. But it's Diego Sanchez versus Gilbert Melendez is just three rounds of men swinging hooks at each other non-stop. Um, but my, maybe one of my favourites all time actually though is um, Gustafson and Jones won. Um, that the setup to that fight was that Gustafson, you know, I think it really was the first time Jones fought someone that matched up with him physically, height, reach wise, somewhat, um, maybe not one hundred percent, but you know, um, and I think I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect for that fight. I think I expected Jones to kind of win it anyway, but then when Gustafson took him down and no one had taken him down before in the UFC, a Swedish guy of all people to take down an American wrestler, um. This is our little things like that was around the time I think that the public eye was uh, more kind of getting focused on MMA being a real thing and something to get involved in. So you have like Gustafson walking out to Avicii, which I thought was quite cool, you know. And um, now that's I think that's it, man. I mean, John Jones made excuses for that fight. He said he didn't train for it properly and was doing coke and all this stuff. And think right, well, okay, but it was still one of the few times Jones has looked human, and it's actually probably the worst he's ever looked after a fight. Um, and you can make a great case that Alex pretty much almost won it. Um, but that's also just a back and forth fight, and it has all the aspects of it. I mean, there's good grappling, it's good striking, lots of good clinching, lots of creativity from both men. So that's, that's one of my favorites for sure. Probably the best light heavyweight fight of all time for sure for me. But um, but yeah, I think we should maybe, next time we come together, we should maybe um, talk about it. We can look at, I'm going to go watch those two fights you guys mentioned now. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think um, um I've actually shamefully I I know that it's it's sort of wanted as a classic, but I've never actually watched um, Jones and Gustafsson one in its entirety. So that's that's something for me to do as well, a bit of homework, but a bit of research, you know. Bit of research, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Lots of time to do it because you're gonna be stuck in this. <laughs> yep, yep. So uh, anyone listening, if you uh, you know 
By legitimate means, of course, if you can obtain those fights and give them a watch, uh, that could aid your understanding in shows to come. Also, just good entertainment value, uh, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that pretty much wraps things up. Uh, so, yeah, thanks thanks very much for, for listening. Thank you for um, your participation, as always, uh, Colin, Bob and me. Thank you. Um, and Thank yeah, you well, for I think Maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a two or three weeks we'll be back uh, with some some strung together content because there's no fights happening, but we'll make it work somehow. Uh, this might be a great time for me to produce some Don't Sweat the Technique sketches. I don't know. Maybe. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, we've got some in the back pocket. Don't, don't, <laughs> never forget, we've, we've got some already. But um, yep. yeah. Until then, thanks, thanks for listening, fellas. Uh, stay safe. Distance socially, wash your hands, all that jazz, buy the merch, spam that like button. <laughs> with gloves on. on. Spam it with gloves on. With, with, with gloves on, with your mask on, uh, and full bodysuit preferably. And um, yeah. Peace out. Peace out, man. Thanks for hosting. Catch yeah, you.